0: Hello, friends. Welcome again today to another edition of the Pinkleton Pull Aside Podcast, where we get to talk all things life and leadership and lessons therein. And we like to do that in a world of sports and comedy and music and books and all kinds of good stuff. And uh, today, I'm blessed. I'm going to talk to someone today that I haven't had a chance to talk to in person or through a, a means like this. And a mighty long time. We've had some dialogue here and there on Facebook Messenger and texting and tried to have a podcast earlier, but uh, schedules got goofy and we had to reschedule. And I know, at least in my experience, when you have to reschedule, that usually means it's going to be even better. So today we have the pleasure of talking to the the worship pastor at First Baptist Bentonville in Arkansas, Hog Territory, Clay Cross. Welcome, Clay.
1: Yeah. Thank you for having me on the show. And as the young people say, it has been a minute.
0: It has been a minute. So I'm going to say two words.
1: I'm do saying people say it.
0: <laughs> yeah. How, how old are you, Clay? 55. Okay. I'm 52. So yeah, I guess if we're over a century mark together and it's not even yeah, close, man, I... yeah, <laughs> we're on the older side of that, but you're still cool and stylish and hip and I've never been any of those things. So let me give you two words and I want to see your reaction and try to have as much emotion as behind these two words when I throw them out to you, okay? All right. Ja Morant.
1: He's a killer. He, The guy is a killer. I mean, I could just go on and on because now you struck a chord with me. My favorite team is the Memphis Grizzlies. I grew up in Memphis so mm-hmm. 25 years ago when we got an NBA team. We're freaking out thinking, wow, we have a big league team in my town. And they struggled for a while, and then they got okay for a few years. But we've never had a superstar, but we got one now. He's a bad man.
0: <laughs> but see, and you went so positive with all that. And I'm going to be honest, I, I wanted to juke you a little bit because I do love Steph Curry. I wanted to see where there was any kind of pain and whatever towards Golden State. So are you feeling like, hey, we're doing, we're ahead of the curve. We're doing well. We're building. We got Brooks. We got Ja. You know, we're doing our thing, so that's fine. Or did you think you might go further this year than what happened?
1: No, that's about – that was – I mean, we went way further than we thought from day one from day one we were projected to maybe be in the play-in game maybe be eight nine ten seed those guys went out and got second seed um and really the only reason they were second ahead of golden state a lot of golden state's players were hurt throughout the year so when i watched that series with golden state my eyes told me golden state's the better team Mm -hmm. there's no doubt but their core are about 10 years older than our core so we're coming there's no doubt we we've got Golden State knows all oh, these Greers are going to be around for a while. Yeah. So I'm proud of them. I mean, it was a really good season. Um, we're young and we not only have an all star, we have a superstar. But um, I don't put him in the category of Steph at all. I mean, Steph, Steph to me is one of the top five players of all time. Wow. Even though no he doubt. gets nice. Knocked- mean, he's the best shooter of all time. Yeah. But he's also hard to keep up with. His ball handling is amazing. So I, Steph, Steph's just special. He's done so much for the league. I mean, people are in love with that guy for a reason. He's so great.
0: Even though he gets knocked for his defense, you still put himself so up? Ja.
1: I mean, I, I, ja, I want Ja to, to get more humble. He obviously beats his chest a little too much, you mm-hmm. know. So that they, that's that's one thing. But, uh, hey, I could talk to you about sports for the next hour. Oh,
0: I know. That's why I wanted to say Ja Morant right out of the gate. And, you know, the other thing I think Memphis has done – pretty well because for years they did not do well even dating it back to Vancouver is uh they finally have gotten a pretty good grab <laughs> there oh that is up close I wish we were on video here so people could see you got your jaw and I know what those things are why am I blanking those are um no Funko not Funko my, Funko Pop yeah my oldest son I loves him some Funko Pop so there's the Jaw Morant does does the does, uh, jaw have more than one fun- Funko Pop or is that it
1: he does Uh my wife Renee got me this one so it's like there he is yeah but, our well, superstar that's right
0: well what i was going to say though that they've finally gotten right too is i think they finally had a good a good uh, stretch of nice jerseys like not these goofy looking dating back to vancouver grizzly jerseys <laughs> that were just kind of like they were struggling they couldn't get the logo right, right. They, they
1: got away from, from the teal but every now and then they break them out just for fun
0: yeah well you got the right navy blue you got the right little bit of yellow i think they've done a nice job with that so
1: well yeah, man well for my guys
0: your sake and mine, we probably better move on because I think we could stay here a while and talk Memphis Tigers and Anfernee Hardaway and a whole bunch of yes, others. Sir. <laughs> he's, filling, he's filling it. I love it. So give us, Clay, your your three-minute testimony of coming to Jesus and how he was drawing you and what that was like first coming to Jesus.
1: Yeah, man. He's had his hand on me my whole life. I'm certain that he has. You know, I walked the aisle as a, as a child, as a lot of children growing up in church do. Probably I was six years old. Filled up the card, did all that. A few years later, I was 13 years old and was having doubts. And this is a pretty common story with people growing up in the church. You know, you hit those teenage years and you start to think, "Wow, did, was it ever that as real to me as it's, it's feeling in this moment?" Mm. And um, just I was on a I was on a trip with our with our student group from the church there in Memphis, Leewood Baptist church and realized I was a sinner, asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins. And I feel like I became a follower of Christ that day. That was a long time ago. You know, I think in this interview, we'll get to another season of my life where I went through a recommitment to Christ as a grown man, as a 30 um, year old man. Um, so we'll get to that in a little while. But I'll come back to the point that I made when you first asked me. I know that God has had his hand on my life, my whole life. And I'm I'm thankful to him. And I'm thankful to be a follower of Christ, thankful for his grace every day.
0: Let's talk about 55. Let's skip ahead. I told you, we go where Holy Spirit leads in this interview. So 55-year-old Clay Cross, have you had a moment in, in recent days, recent months, where you're like, yeah, this is as real as it's ever been with Jesus?
1: I do. I mean, my faith is strengthened as I get older, and I know people that that struggle. I know people that struggle with doubt. I know believers that struggle with doubt and starting to question things, and there are those that are, it is said, that they've walked away from their beliefs, and it breaks my heart for those for those people um and in the midst of it i just bear down and i say lord give me more faith I sang a song yesterday in church raise my faith a little higher mm. yeah you know, set my spirit on fire lord i'm asking you to move and it's part of the process it's part of the process understanding yes i could have doubts myself mm. you know we all lie in bed at night and stare at a dark ceiling and think every thought imaginable goes through your head, you know, but in the midst of it, you're saying, Lord, give me more of you, less of me. My mind is kind of too full right now, whether it be through social media or just the information that we take in every day. It's overwhelming compared to say what, what people were bringing in years ago. And you get to that moment that quiet moment, whatever that is in your day, it's certainly when you're in bed at night about to go to sleep, you don't have any devices on. And I pray, Lord, strengthen my faith. You know what? Cause he says, if you have more faith, you know, you can do more things than I even did. Jesus tells us like, how, how is that possible? And that could be analyzed. What exactly he meant by that. Maybe he meant one day there's going to be 8 billion people on planet earth. When he was walking the earth, I don't know what that number was, but it was far less. It was far less 100 years ago. So um, he may have meant on a a mass scale, more people can be reached, you know, through the local church, through missions, uh, through what you're going to lead, you know, Peter, (laughs) I'm giving you this church, and you're going to take it somewhere. You're going to do more than I did. I think it trickles down to even us. But at the core of it, he says, it's with faith you know that this can be done pray for more faith so that's what i that's what i do and you know recently my mom went to be with jesus and that was a few months ago and throughout the process my faith was strengthened to know that she got her promotion you know is really what paul was saying Live as Christ to die as gain. You're gonna get your ultimate promotion. And I know that she did, and I have peace with that. And you know, many tears were shed over the past few years as she went through a decline physically. But in the moment of her home going, you know, all I could all I could do was speak the name of Jesus and thank him. And thank him that he saved her, that he has her now, that she's where I'm headed. And it's not just words. Really believe it. So, I'm thankful for the for the faith and the strength and the encouragement that he gives. I'm telling you what, man.
0: I I could feel it on this call. I mean, you just seem like you're at a really, <laughs> real, authentic, raw place. Is that fair to say? Um, I don't disagree with that. I mean, um, in the best possible way. I'm saying that.
1: Yeah. I take, I take the word raw in a good way, What you meant by that, you know, it's not something I'm trying to make more than it is, you know, I'm not trying to use fancy words mm-hmm. or Christianese about it, but it's just, um, I believe, like, you know, I believe he's real. I believe what he's done. I believe what he's going to do. I believe Jesus is going to return. We don't talk about it enough. We don't think about it enough. We don't live like it enough, you know, that today could be the day that Jesus returns. And I want him to look at me and um, understand that I, I was waiting and I was didn't necessarily catch me off guard. You know, mm. I want to live a life that's it's pleasing to him and that when he returns, he'll know it was far from the last thing on my mind yeah I'm tempted like I'm looking at the map right
0: now and I'm seeing from where I am right now it's 10 hours and 45 minutes to your office and I'm like you don't look like a guy who's going through the motions or hey let's just let's just turn it up a notch and and, and hit cruise control and do what we do on Sunday mornings at uh, FBC Bentonville it looks like you're a guy who's right in the thick of it of, of counting what you do is of great importance and really trying to minister in a pastoral sense to folks there is that is that fair to say
1: It is, you know, um, it's something God has shown me with this, uh, with this position as worship pastor. I'm going on nine years now at this, at this house of worship, first Baptist Bentonville. He's shown me that, yes, there's a grind to it. There's a, there's a, there's a schedule to it. And a lot of it revolves around the day Sunday, because Sunday's always coming Mm -hmm. and we need to be prepared as a worship team and bring our best so you can definitely get into the routine of the preparing for the Sundays, but you know, those other six days for sure, he is calling me and using me and Mm -hmm. uh, giving me opportunities left and right to be his hands and feet pour into people's lives, you know? So, yeah. I, I know where you're coming from though with that. Yeah. It's thick in your office coming
0: out. I mean it it's it just I I just sent you to a really really good fertile soil, your heart soft just kind of in the you know hands of the pioneer, you know kind of still in Hebrews 12, the pioneer, the the author perfector your faith and it's just I mean it's it, it, it mm-hmm. and I'm not overstating this, this is not something you can go back and look at podcast history I'm not saying this to other people, really, but it's just kind of bowling me over in a in a very doing my heart kind of way. Clay, let me take it real quick. Just another place. I'm looking at this map. I'm seeing not far from you guys. You know, of course, looking at a map, it's hard to see exactly how far things are. But Tulsa, Oklahoma City, Wichita, Kansas City, St. Louis, Little Rock, Dallas further south. Uh, as you talked about people earlier, walking away from the church, where do you feel like you guys are right now? Where are you personally in 2022 dealing with the ever popular term deconstruction and seeing people walk away? What's, what's kind of your lane in the midst of that thing that's really hit the church in the past few years, more hardcore.
1: Yeah. Something's drawn people away. I don't know the contribution of the COVID shutdown to that, you know, because we, literally could not meet for a while. So we did not meet. And I think there are people that got comfortable with that, not meeting and never, never met again after that, even though we have, you know, obviously opened our doors and we're having public meetings again. We've been for a while now. I don't know how much that's, that contributed to it or just uh, society as a whole, how it seems to have an agenda to make less and less of a creator make more and more of humans and by that I mean just a humanistic approach the the thought that humans can just make it better we can get smarter we can evolve more our technology is better our science is better but you know what that doesn't make us more moral it doesn't at all mm. in fact it seems to be creeping the other way and it does not seem to be making people happier or more at peace you know anxiety is an all-time high depression is at all-time high so the humans can't just rely on the humans i mean we have to say yes there is a creator and yes he is king and there's a savior and he wants his best for everyone so it's kind of a long answer about people deconstructing or why they would. But as far as reaching out to them, what I would want to tell them is just that I love them and God loves them because people need to be loved. You know, you ask somebody, ask any, almost anyone at all. Hey, tell me your story. Tell me what's going on. They're going to talk. They are going to let you know what's going on in their life. And people want to be heard. People want to be loved. And the gospel is the ultimate in filling that hole. The gospel is the ultimate in that anyone would admit I'm a sinner. Anyone would admit I have things I need to work on. Even the most atheistic humanist would say, yeah, I've got issues in my life that I need to work on. The gospel says, well, ultimately I've done it for you. And It's not the hardest thing in the world on your part. My yoke is easy. The burden is light. He took it on for us. So that's what he's offering. And that's what clearly the world needs. And that much of the world is resisting. Mm -hmm. Resisting the idea that, yeah. I I think the biggest resistance is the idea of surrendering. Mm. The biggest resistance is the idea of, of saying, that they have this need they feel like no i'm doing the right things i'm raising my family right i'm a, I'm a good citizen i pay my taxes you know i treat my neighbors well but why do i need this this being in my life and that can be the toughest sell to a successful human you know jesus even said the difficulties of wealth the difficulties of someone who's who's kind of got it going on in this world you know the idea to draw them. So I admire those I know that have been given much and that give much and that, uh, at their core surrendered to Christ. So we're going to get back into some
0: music side of things and kind of look at your musical part of life and seasons of that. But I definitely see and sense this, this Clay Cross as a mature man of God now compared to the one I knew, and and interacted with it in your early 40s. What do you think if you would have stayed in the path you were on in CCM world and you would have, you know, cranked out your hits or whatever and never had nine years at Bentonville, what would you have missed? What would have not happened in a God-honoring discipleship way if that would have continued versus going down this road?
1: Well, I think of others. When I say others, I mean um, people other than myself. You know, that that God has allowed me to be around, pour into. I feel like it's been um, less in number than when I was touring from town to town to town to town to town, singing and sharing for a large number of people every night and different people in every town. And now I'm in one church family. But I couldn't be more convinced that God's math is different than our math Mm. and that he's... He's way more into the, the one-on-ones mm. and the times that he puts one person in front of me that has a need, has something they want to talk about or pray about. I couldn't be more convinced that his value to that is is the same as when I would stand in front of a thousand people and sing. Yeah. You know? So I take every, every opportunity I can to, uh, to make a difference in that person's life in that moment. It's kind of a difference. You know, I used to tour around and sing for larger groups. But that was a season of my life. That was about a 10-year season that I did that. And I'm thankful for it. And it it opened doors beyond that. You know, it opened doors for this uh, position that I'm in now at this church that wouldn't have necessarily happened without the first thing. So yeah. I'm thankful. Are you
0: familiar at all with the book, Kyle Edelman from Louisville? pastor at southeast christian church has out called one at a time that just came out a couple i'm of- not
1: but I, I am familiar with him
0: yeah that book would be interesting for you guys as a staff or for you to read just look at it you know, here he is preaching at one of the 10 biggest churches in america and how it's easy to get caught up in the masses and one of the things he says in that book that really intrigues me is he says you know before he ever puts pen to paper on a sermon he writes down on the top right like two or three names of people that he hopes really receives that message so he's not thinking about thousands and thousands of people hearing him, he focuses one party at a time, one conversation at a time, one moment at a time, one word at a time. And it's been very, it's been a book we've been using within the gathering, you know, in my my day gig of connecting men to men and men to God. And uh, just as you were talking, I thought that, that book might be, stand by i'll try to shoot you a copy of it because I, th- I think it would really minister to you and speak to you in all a right. positive way so let's talk about your musical journey so you have as we've already alluded to you know you you did you were kind of what was the exact title i should have i know it i've said it many a times you were uh dove, were you double word kind of rookie not rookie that's not the wrong turn uh newbie newbie of the year um or whatever it yeah. was and then obviously i surrender all which i'll come back to that uh in a little bit but um Talk about the different journeys of what music has looked like to you over your career.
1: Well, growing up in Memphis, Tennessee, you know, I sang everywhere that I could. I didn't really start singing until I was a teenager in terms of feeling like I could sing a song in front of a stranger. You know, that didn't happen until I got into my teen years. Was sang in groups at school, sang at a theme park in Memphis for a couple of years. I was in the country music show. And you know at inner contests and different things sing at funerals and weddings and all that but I didn't know how to make a, a go of it you know make a living of it and um, God began to send the right people into my life mm. um, specifically a man named Gary McSpadden Gary used to sing with the Bill Gaither Trio Gaither Vocal Band and he was coming through Memphis doing a concert and I just determined to to meet him after the concert, you know, and give him a demo tape that I had made. And that really was the beginning, you know, because he he liked the demo tape. He he pulled his car over that night, I'm told, and and called his son and son-in-law and said, hey, I've met this uh, met this singer tonight. And I really liked the, the sound of his voice. And they got involved with me. They started managing me. And, you know, this is back in the early 90s. And um, it resulted in a record contract at Reunion Records and put my first project out in 94. And that, that was really the beginning of, uh, of that 10-year period I'm talking about, you know, where I was just traveling all over the place. You know, God was uh, using it. He was putting me on the radio, you know, hit songs, uh, winning devil Awards like you mentioned. And I'll always shake my head that it happened. It's just like I understand the odds. I understand the odds of something like that happening for anyone. So for some reason, God used it, and I'll always be thankful. You know, definitely will.
0: Wow. You know, I'm at, I'm at the radio station Rise FM up here in Bell Fountain, Ohio, or if you're mm-hmm. you know, stumbled across. You know, another radio station and all of a sudden a song, I surrender all comes on. What would that what would that do for you? Like, what would you feel like if you're driving not expected all of a sudden that song, which I think is, was your biggest hit? Um, how, how, it was. How, how would that make you feel
1: right now? Twenty twenty two. Oh, man. It would just make me thankful all over again that 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 it ever happened and that for some reason the station was still playing it today. It used to really charge me up back in the day when I'd hear one of my songs on the radio you know it's just like that scene in the movie that thing you do you know when the band first hears their their single on the radio it's just it's kind of a freak out moment but to hear it today because you know occasionally you will you know it'd be like on some classic christian (laughs) either station or, or or you know on cable tv they have all the the music i'm not sure what they're called but uh They'll play older Christian music, and mine will come up or something. It's uh, it's always kind of interesting, you know, just that that God ever used this this guy out of Memphis, Tennessee, and mm-hmm. um, gave me that platform. You know, it's uh, it's pretty amazing. So we
0: met a number of years ago at Cedarville University, met you and Renee, and then you came and and did some ministry with and for me with the gathering and a couple of different church things and a men's event we did. Called Unleashed that uh, was was really really cool, so let's talk about that part of your story. So obviously a huge part of your testimony, you said you would get to in your 30s and and kind of unpack that for us a little bit.
1: Yeah, well, I was really flying high in my music career, doing very well, but was not close to God like I should have been. I was I was too close to myself, to the pursuit of fame, to seeing how far. You know, I could take a career and he was taking a back seat and that's never good. And he knew it and he loves me very much. Mm. And he didn't allow me to go down that path. I was already on a path of destruction just from my ego. And, you know, there there's evidence in there of like. So what was going on? What was so wrong? I was just very casual about my relationship with him, but I was not casual about my career. I was like, man, I want to push this thing as far as it can go. As opposed to seeking him really, really in depth every day in the midst of this career and trying to pour into people, trying to be in the ministry. It was the last thing on my mind being in the ministry. First thing on my mind was, you know, just trying to even, even get more successful in music. And in that season, something crept into my life that was a real indicator that it, that I needed change, and that was pornography. And it got to a point where I realized, you know, this is going to destroy me if I stay casual and just sweep this under the rug like nothing's really happening. It's going to destroy me. I just knew it. So I went to Renee and I told her about this. And obviously that was difficult to tell her, but she was, over that year, this is 1998, she was forgiving. And she walked with me. And, you know, so while I was out singing places, I began to share this story. I began to just open up. And God gave me a piece just to tell people about it. And a publisher came forward and we wrote a book about it just that season of coming through that being healed, our marriage being restored and God walking with us through the whole thing. So suddenly doors begin to open for Renee and myself to, to go speak places and do marriage enrichment events. Suddenly I'm singing a little less, speaking a little more. And it's like God began to call me into this thing called ministry. So it all changed really from that point on that was my rededication to Christ that I went through as a 31 year old man. So earlier in the conversation I was telling you about when I was 13 years old and I asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins. And I believe he came into my heart, came into my life, became a Christ follower. Years later, as a grown man had to say, Lord, I'm going on a wrong path. I know that I am and ask you forgiveness. And he was forgiving and so was Renee. It was a tough year for us, for sure, to deal with that, tell people about that, to have it written about in magazines, not in a negative way, but just the story itself. You're like, I'd I'd have rather not gone down that way, but it did, it's on me and God loves me very much. And Jesus says, forgive me. And I stand very grateful today for that season. Had I been casual about it, had I continued to sweep it under the rug, I wouldn't be talking to you now. Mm. I wouldn't be in this office now. I likely wouldn't have my wife now or our children or my grandchild, everything that's precious in my life, mm. I would have destroyed, but thankfully God put it in my head in 1998 that I had a lot to protect, even things I didn't even know were coming, you know, future, sons-in-law that God's blessed my daughters with, a grandchild that we now have, uh, a position in local ministry. I didn't know those things were coming. But in 1998, he was tapping me on the shoulder saying, you have a lot to protect. Mm. You have a lot to protect. So I ran back to him like I should have.
0: It's been a while. I somehow don't remember you saying it quite like you did right there in the past about having a lot to protect and what God was saying there. And I'm sure maybe you did, maybe it just hit me different now, but is that language? I mean, I I reached out to you recently and and I can update you offline about a guy, I know, going through some stuff that's very, very parallel. Do you get the minister out of that as much today? And if so, how much does that line about you have much to protect with what's to come and deal with a head on now, does that still really speak and and is, is God using
1: that? I would imagine. It does because I can look across my desk at a, at a man going through a similar thing and I tell them, I remind them about their wife, their children, their position of influence in the world, whatever that might be. And then I'll remind them of Lord willing things that, are coming down the road for them that won't be possible if they don't deal with this now. Mm -hmm. So I try to encourage, encourage men in that way. And Renee is really great to to reach out to women going through similar things, um, whatever their struggles might be. She's a great resource for that as well. I,
0: I think this is so important. I think with the church world, we do not
1: know how to handle
0: this well. We do not know coming clean, not letting it be hidden, not letting it be shameful, not letting it be, you know, it's interesting. So we had on here a while back, and I think you already know this, we had Michael O'Brien on, and I usually follow up with people and say, hey, are there other people you think that this would be win-win for? Well, he gave me one name. (laughs) That name was you. That was Clay Cross and, and, you know, Michael. Oh, wow. Yeah. I love Michael O. I'm feeling the same vibe with you that I felt with him that day, just this maturing that quite honestly, probably w- wouldn't be there without going through the difficulties you guys have gone through. And I just think as the church, as Christian leaders, we have to know how to navigate that. And hey, look, I'll be the first one to say any and all this is not black and white clear cut what you do based on paid staff, you know, uh, in the music world, like you were, whereas the wife bought in, not bought in supportive, not supportive, you know, the thing when things get in affairs, you know, whatever, every case is unique. But man, we as the body of Christ and the leadership have to learn how to navigate this well. And, you know, I think, you know, guys like you guys, like Michael, and then other layers of where those things can go are so needed because we don't, we don't handle conflict like this well.
1: Well, yeah, men tend to want to keep to themselves. You know, it's real easy for a man just to take the attitude of, if they're dealing with a problem in their life, and they even come to the point where they realize it's a problem, they'll deal with that themselves. They won't bother anyone else with that. And being accountable to someone, being honest with someone really flies in the face of that. Mm -hmm. Because being accountable is about going to someone else and saying, hey, here's a weakness in my life. Here's something that used to be a blind spot in my life, but I'm not blind to it now. I realize this thing's got me. It could potentially have me. In a very deep way, I want you to pray for me in this moment and ongoing about it. Reach out to me and ask me how is that situation going. There's great power in that accountability, um, daily seeking God, getting back on track with Him. Yeah, can easily get off track. Amen. man,
0: it's tough. All right, we're gonna move to some some sillier, lesser, meaty stuff before we get back in. Five questions I like to call the Rapid Five and. I'm going a little different direction with us today, so we're gonna we're gonna go down some different roads here. But uh, what is your favorite childhood snack or cereal?
1: Well, the cereal aisle is a glorious place. I'll just say that <laughs> because of the options. I mean, so I mean, I really like Cocoa Puffs, man. It's gonna oh. come out and say it. I'm just gonna be honest with you and tell you I like Cocoa Puffs. There's so many others. There's so many others that I like. Have you had Crave? What, what's that? Have you had Crave? Never have with a K. They have a I, few different
0: versions now. My daughter loves it. And I've kind of become, if I go down the chocolate way, I, I like crave it's chocolatey? Yeah, they have All a couple right. different versions. They I'm have a trying. cookies and cream. I'm get a and, box today. Yeah, crave. You well, it's, said with enough. A, it's with a K. Hey,
1: makes it even cooler. There you go.
0: <laughs> so what else? What else besides Cocoa Puffs? You sound like you had more on the childhood snack side.
1: Well, on the cereal aisle, I could go on and on. Yeah. But on the childhood snack side, I mean, I always like popcorn. I like. uh Cool Ranch Doritos, mm. you know, Cool Ranch Doritos with Cheese Whiz sprayed on top of them <laughs> is a, is a decadent and a horrible snack to have. But it's it's the kind of thing I would eat on the road.
0: Are they going to use that in a commercial or something decadent and horrible? Those, I don't think those two words, marketing wise, that are wanting to go together.
1: I know, but I'm just I'm admitting what they are. <laughs> I'm admitting these things are not good for my arteries or my future health. Yeah.
0: So I'm going to throw you another. I've never asked this question. This is what I'm inserting today for you to test the waters what cartoon character do you most identify
1: with oh my goodness well the one i love the most is charlie brown i mean i i uh something about the peanuts characters is so nostalgic for me i something about them uh, they take me back to my earliest childhood and really when you watch them now you watch those old peanut specials you realize how special they were and how how the pace of them and the music was so cool and it wasn't geared for like silliness or, or children it was like there was, there was more to mm. it I mean I, I, I love it so you
0: know, I never got totally into peanuts I was more of a Tom and Jerry you know Looney Tunes on a lesser extent you know the character I most relate to and I've never asked this question but I gotta, I gotta throw it out for myself I guess too is you remember Droopy he'd be like oh I don't
1: think so he was real monotony. was it. Like,
0: Uh, my my name is Droopy and I'm Droopy and kind of almost like sad, kind of monotone and I'm like, I can kind of relate (laughs) to Droopy. I also like Fat Albert now.
1: I like Fat Albert a lot when I was a
0: kid. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah. (laughs) We could could stay here, I think, a while. But, uh, all right, so let's go old school. The Cross family is on vacation and let's say you were going from Memphis to, let's say you were coming to me, you were coming to Springfield, Ohio and you get, I'm trying to think, would that be 40 to 75 and maybe you're towards cincinnati and if you were like like it's been for us you know either traffic comes up somewhere or someone has to go to the bathroom about 10 minutes before you're stopping and you're like all right well watch stop again get down the road so at this particular exit sign you get these three places and i'm confident you've been to okay. all three because you're far enough west you have to know about this third one and the crosses have the options of mcdonald's chick-fil-a in and out burger where are you guys going
1: without question it would be in and out. I've never lived anywhere that has it, so mm-hmm. it's just always a treat. I was just out west a few days ago and and we had in and out burgers. Uh, so they're a little bit overhyped, I'll admit it, but yeah, they're big. They're really great. Big. And I, I mean I, as, as much as I've had McDonald's in my life, In-N-Out's a different level, yeah. you know.
0: So, let me ask you real quick, this is not this is a separate question. We'll come back to I think I got one more for you, but when you get when you're in Memphis, I was in Memphis for the MLK 50 event that they did with a lot of pastors, church right. leaders, ministry leaders, whatever. Rendezvous is what people know, but you know, the place I went to, we ate there twice. We loved it so much. Are you a central barbecue guy when it comes to Memphis? We're a central lineup for you.
1: I like it a lot. I also like, well, I mean, you mentioned the rendezvous. It is a must. You must experience it. If you're, if you're there, because, I like the ribs a lot, the dry rub ribs there, but it's the vibe too in that place. When it's you walk huge. down these steps, it's, it's, huge. it's like, almost like you're going back. It's humongous. It's almost like you're going back in time mm-hmm. and the waiters have this, have this way. It's, it's borderline rude, but it's funny mm-hmm. the way, how quick they are with you. And anyway, it's not, I don't want to say it's rude, but they, they're all business is what I'm sure. saying. They, they're like, what's your order? Come on. What, yeah. what do you want tonight? All right. I, I, I have a ride out. But that you, kind of thing um but you do love central central is great i mean it, you really can't go wrong yeah. in that town with any of the memphis uh, barbecue establishments so 100%. you know it's near and dear to my heart that town and it, it struggles in some way i know that it does like a lot of big towns do but uh there's a lot of people in that town uh, doing great things as well sure sure did you see the movie i'm not gonna remember the name of it was it on Amazon
0: Prime, I think, not Netflix, about the wine connoisseur, a uh, young guy who was trying to develop his taste for wine. What's, what do you call the wine guy, the, the person that... Somalia and he's a Somalia and his dad owns a barbecue joint in Memphis and he's trying to get him. I didn't see that. I'll have to look it up. I'll I'll send you a text afterwards. It's a really cool thing, but, uh, yeah, it's a neat movie that you with your Memphis heartbeat would really love. So moving on, we got two more questions on a rapid five. One is, um, so you and Renee are hanging out Friday or Saturday night. It's old school. You're flipping channels. You're not just going to Netflix, grabbing what you want. And you guys were to stumble across this movie and you're staying with it every time. What is that movie?
1: Well, there are a few that come to mind, but if either the Godfather one or two are on, mm-hmm. it's, it's hard for me to turn it off. I know it's a violent movie. I know all that, but uh, it's just it's it's it was so beautifully shot, and I just uh, the performances are just so iconic. But they're long, so but they're it's kind of like with certain shows. Let's just throw out The Office. You know, you can turn it on or Seinfeld. You can you can catch it at any point in the show. And you can watch a scene and you're just fine. 100%. That's how it is with favorite movies, whether it's silly movie that we like a lot. Uh, what about Bob? Mm-hmm. It could be at any point in that movie and we're going to be, we're going to be laughing, you know, or uh, whatever, whatever else it might be, you know, a great movie like Shawshank Redemption. It's like any of the scenes just kill, sure. you know, they're so great. Sure. So yeah, there's, there's several on that list. Okay. What about uh
0: last ones? What's, what's an article of trending clothing? from back in maybe your heyday or before that you're like, we got to get that article of trendy clothing coming back
1: from the past.
0: Yeah. You're like a jams guy, right?
1: Well, I used to have these moon boots, man. They were like, (laughs) they were from doc Martin, but they were like gold, silvery colored. And I would wear those things on stage with a equally gold and silvery shirt could pull that stuff off back in the day. Be a little much now though. I think.
0: don't don't lie show me your shoes you got them on right now don't you don't deny it
1: no (laughs) no hey right now i got i got i got classic
0: you got jordan's Classic
1: Adidas. oh you got
0: classic you do that's old school adidas i thought you'd have some jordans yeah man do you you get into the basketball shoes much
1: i have a few sneakers but uh i don't have any technical basketball shoes right now i have like you know trainers you know that different ones that i wear yeah but I I got friends who show remain nameless. I can't keep up with those guys. Oh, yeah. I can't keep up with them, man. Yeah. Their shoe game is 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 beyond mine and I get teased about mine that mine's extensive. Wow. Yeah, my youngest son,
0: he's he's a fifteen year old basketball player and he he's all about the shoe game. I, I I'm just like hey you keep cutting those good cuz if you're getting a pair from us it's probably going to be for Christmas and that's that's your Christmas
1: gift right there. And oh. you know some people are into some people are into the shoe game and they it's an investment. They don't even wear them. They yeah. get them and they they resell them 100%. and they it's like trading cards used to be. It's oh, like yeah. oh wait, you got that one? You 100%. Know. Yeah, I definitely
0: know people in Pretty. that. No doubt about it.
1: They have them stacked in their closet, in the boxes untouched. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Oh. And, you know, I tell them, I say, you need to get help. You need to get help at this point.
0: (laughs) Or invest well. That's, that's what I would know. So (laughs) let me, let me ask you this. So, so Clay, when you look at yourself in 2022, you look at yourself in those late nineties, mid nineties era for that 10 year run, when you look futuristic and you think down the road compared to that guy back then, where do you put a lot of great hope, a lot of great dreaming, a lot of what you want to see happen in your life or ministry or whatever, Where, where are those two roads different then compared to now?
1: Well, you know, I think I, I, I told you earlier that my mindset was in the wrong place before. And I value things in, in a different way now than I did then. And God has just moved me along. I, I give him 100% of the glory and the credit in, in wherever I've gotten to. And the fact that I am sitting here talking to you in this moment still secure in my faith and still secure in this life with, with my wife, Renee, you know, we just celebrated 32 years of marriage. You know, my kids pretty much all grown. Our youngest is, is about to be a senior in high school. So they're, 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 our kids have grown. We now have a grandchild, you know, I have this position in local ministry and can still reach out on a, on a national level, things like we're doing here today, or occasionally I'll get invited to go this or that. So I'm just very grateful. I think, I think gratitude is vital, you know, to, to getting up every day and just dealing with what, with what's going to come your way that day. It sure better start with gratitude. Sure better start with thanking God for what he's done. And I don't know that I always did that Mm. back in my heyday. I just think, I was just living day to day. And I don't know, it's, it's, I, I don't want to sit here and be regretful about those days, but God sure had a plan. Hmm. He sure had me in his sights because uh, proof is that I'm sitting here right now. And that he's, he's walked with me through the whole thing. And I'm thankful for those days. Yeah. Please hear me. I, I, those were, those were really awesome. And, and they were not in any way fruitless, you know, God used those songs. God used, me, you know in those in those seasons but but i know that i got off track of where i needed to be and i know that he was the perfect loving father to guide me back along
0: hmm. i'm curious what based on what you're saying i'm curious what you think of this quote i was listening to a podcast recently with michael w smith and he just performed several weeks ago at a new venue we have here not terribly far away in troy ohio and the guys, this is on the, I'll plug them, the Dadville podcast. They do a great job. Dave Barnes, I don't know if you ever met him, does music. He was on here not long ago. And, and uh, they asked him, they said, Michael, when you look back at your career, what, what do you think will be said about it? And he said, and he didn't hesitate. He said, I survived success. Yeah, man. What do you think about that quote? What do you think about that? And how, how does that maybe apply? Where can you grasp what he said there?
1: I feel like I did too. I mean, yeah, I had a recommitment to Christ that I went through, and I'm thankful. But that that's part of the surviving of, because success can crush somebody. You know, it certainly can. And you know, I'll pull back a name that I mentioned earlier in the conversation. Gary McSpadden. He told me early in my in my career. He said, you know, really Clay, you know, you're winning awards and you're having hit songs on the radio, but people are going to sum you up. People are going to determine your success with one thing, and it's going to be this. How's your family? How's your relationship with your wife? I never forgot that. Never forgot that. It's wise words. How are things at home? You know, because without that, it's all meaningless. Oh. It's all just chatter. So talk about that. I wanted to close with that. So married
0: life with you and Renee and, you know, I got to, mm-hmm. inter- I got to interact with her a little bit. You know, I can just sense, you know, you guys don't seem to me like the couple on social media that are putting your best out there and that just did. It just looks like you're at a really cool, you are empty nesting as of right now, correct? Is that right? Everybody's out.
1: We have one more. We have, we have our, our youngest Sophie is going to be a senior in high school next year. So we have one at home.
0: Okay. So, you know, you, you've, you've kind of Come, you're close to completing the deal and having kids well on their way doing you know, good God-honoring stuff and you know, having their own families now and things like that. What, what is married life like now? Where is it just you and Renee would look at each other, whether it's, you know, you were in California, I think it was like you said last week or whatever and just being at home and whether it's in simplicity or it's a nice night out, where is life and married life right now to Renee just really, really rich and yet you're still battling and marriage is still tough.
1: Right. It's not that tough though. I mean, I'm just going to tell you, we know each other so well. I mean, yeah, there's still things you got to deal with and you're always going to battle selfishness. And that's, that's a big enemy to marriage because the best marriage is you're giving to the other person. You're thinking of them more than you think of yourself. So little things may come up, tiny little arguments, but they could turn into worse ones. You know, if, if you let them, but we know each other so well. And it's just, you know, we're just grateful. You know, yes, we have, we have things we have to deal with. We have things that break our hearts about, about the world, about certain people that we know. But we deal with them together. And, you know, she's, she, she helps me so much, you know, because I'm in ministry and I deal with things. And I'm a pastor. I'm a worship pastor. And the pastor's wife really feels the brunt of what a pastor goes through the challenges of it. And without question, she's my best friend. So we're just, we're thankful for where we are. And just praying that, uh, that God keeps us strong this season of our life going forward. One or two
0: simple things you guys just really enjoy together, you know, like whether it's a board game, taking a walk, it's, you know, whatever. What's in simplicity terms, what's something you
1: guys just enjoy? No, lately it's been spending time with our granddaughter. You know, we'll have her over, and she's she's old enough to be walking around. She runs around our backyard. And, you know, yesterday Renee just turned to me and said, does it get any better than this." Mm-hmm. You know, just watching little Theora run around. You know, and seeing her personality come out. So, you know, we're so we're so gifted with with our with our children. Our oldest Shelby and and Savannah, Garrett. And Sophie, those are my kids, man. I'm so thankful for them. I'm so thankful uh, that, that God has blessed our, our daughters with, with, with great husbands. Drew for Shelby and Josiah for Savannah. And we're so thankful for Garrett. You know, he's a senior at the University of Kansas. And he's going to be pursuing his master's there as well. Doing great, really involved in Christian leadership there. And our youngest, Sophie, like I said, going into her senior year, which is hard to, hard to imagine. So Renee and I just reflect, we look at these, these children that God's given us and what he's doing in all their lives. know, it's, it's really different things he's doing in all their lives. And we stand very thankful and we have strong faith that he's going to continue to walk with them. So I'm
0: going to look up something here real quick to ask you this one last question, so let's say we go back old school, two thousand eight, and Memphis. Mm. Memphis plays Kansas, and it's an NCAA championship game. Do you stay with the family, with your son-in-law, or,
1: or do you stay with your Why? Home? Do you want to bring this up? Why?
0: I started with a dig. I'll, I'll end with a dig.
1: It's the he's by, cheering. He's cheering for Kansas by many miles. By many miles, the biggest heartbreak. I've ever had oh. in terms of sports. I mean, because we had that game. You know, we were up nine with two minutes to go. And uh, anyway, non-sports fans would be bored by all of it. But uh, <laughs> if we could just hit another free throw, yeah. if we had just uh, limited one more turn. Honestly, if we had just dribbled down and burned twenty-five seconds every possession, we'd have won the game. But yeah. that's obviously not how it went. Broke my heart, and now my son goes to the University of Kansas and lets me hear about it all the time, about how great they are at basketball.
0: He was already married to your daughter, I take it, before that happened, right? Because you might have told him he can't get married to her, right?
1: No, I'm talking about my son, who's, who's not married. Uh, oh, Garrett. your son's in Kansas? Yes.
0: Oh, you can't, you can't do anything about that. you got to let him go. Okay, if it was a son-in-law, you could have cut him off and said, you can't have my daughter's hand.
1: No, it was, no, we're proud of Garrett. He got he got a scholarship there and has done well. And you know, he was obviously thrilled when they won it all again this year. But um, you're messing with me now to bring up 08 and what the University of Memphis, how the University of Memphis collapsed in that championship game.
0: I wanted to win. I do love Cal. You know, I know Cal's had his challenges when he's been places and reputation-wise. Some people want to, which of course mm-hmm. to me, Cal probably had the greatest moment for YouTube fans in the history of, you know, there's playoffs, there's all the goofy things with Jim Mora, Allen Iverson or whatever, but the Cal, uh, John no. Chaney, that moment. It,
1: with- that was, that was borderline violent. It was like, I've never seen coaches get into it quite yeah. like they did in that moment. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. Yeah. I and mean, he meant it. <laughs> I don't think there's any <laughs> he doubt. Would, he would have coach Cal has a way, you know, his fans love him and everybody else. Hates uh, I won't use the word love, Yeah, but I, he gave Memphis their best, their best, run there so uh, I'll always kind of be a cow fan too which not all Memphis fans are (laughs) sure sure
0: well Clay hey this has been a treat I mean I, I told you before we got started that I find when we plan these out and they have to get rescheduled usually it just means it's gonna be the even better the second time around so you've been you've been generous with time you've been gracious man I feel like I've picked up you know 12 13 14 years from when we last spent time together invested and just, man, great affection for you. If people wanted to know more about what's going on with you, what's the best way for them to to connect or, or be engaged with what's going on in your world?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm, all, I'm on all the socials. So just reach out, you know, uh, Facebook, Twitter, IG. Just reach out. And, uh, you know, I mean, I'm easily, easily gotten. You got you something are. you want to talk about or uh, just just shoot me a note and I'm on there. I look at them more than I probably should <laughs> there you go. don't we all the social
0: don't we all but
1: uh yeah so uh, j- just reach out and um I'm available all righty
0: well friends I hope this is definitely a podcast that you share with people I think Clay shared many things that would be helpful for other people that we know and as people hear this that they, they might want to be spurred on towards and uh just you know a guy here that, that clearly loves Jesus and wants to make him known and have other people experience him so thanks again for joining us Clay
1: All right. Thanks, Jeff. Love you, brother. Love you, too.
0: Thank you for joining us on the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. You can reach Jeff at gatheringmiamivalley.org or find us on Facebook at The Gathering of the Miami Valley. Join us again next week for another honest and rich conversation. The Rise FM Podcast Network.